0: All right, praise God. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for, for bringing, I feel like, uh, not only did we have visitors today, we've got uh, pretty much all of our family back together. That just makes me feel wonderful. So thank you for, for making that possible. And uh, we just... Uh, look to you to open our hearts today and teach us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Praise God. I, as we are growing up, part one of the questions we always get asked, right, is, uh, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or, you know, we ask children that. We, or or we, we, we tend to ask, them, ask it this way, what do you want to be? But really, that's kind of a, a, those are two different questions. Because what we do, uh, what we, how we make a living is not necessarily who we are. But we do strive to define ourselves, and for many of us, that's how we define ourselves. Because we need Purpose. And we also need provision, but we've got to, we got to work because we need to eat. So that question also involves, you know, we need provision, how are we going to get it? Most of us are going to have to be doing something. But this was never supposed to be enough enough because we're made for something more. We're created for more. We were created for a relationship with our creator. And we need something that we can't, no matter how hard hard we work, we can't get it by working. We need spiritual food. And that comes from a different source. And religion recognizes this need. And of course, we all know that there's, there's only one truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But in the absence of that truth, falsehoods will try to fill the gap. We'll, we'll take that place with something. And it may be to install a false god Or maybe to try to make gods of ourselves like the naturalists do. But we're going to put something in some false religions for that matter too. But we're going to put something in that place. And if that doesn't work, and if we we come to the right conclusion that that Jesus uh, is the answer, our enemy will still come in and try to corrupt that truth and make it into a lie, cause us to believe things that are true and, and, and take away from us that which we have found. Many things get labeled as Christian that have very little to do with Christ. Anything that draws our focus away from Him can serve that purpose, no matter how many pretty labels we stick on it. And yes, even our good works, if they don't come from the right place, can actually draw us away. That's right. But we're called to believe in Jesus. That is the only work that matters. And I can call it a work only because Jesus Himself did. But all of our other works flow out of that. And it's only because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. That is the ultimate lesson, really, that, that we've been studying. That's really what John is all about. And what this, this particular chapter is all about. Jesus presenting himself as the bread of life. And the, the means by which we all get saved. He's going to give himself... So we're going to, and I hope y'all are finding this a benefit. I'm, I'm enjoying doing this. I hope that it has, uh, has been meaningful to you as well. But we're picking up in chapter 6. And this is after Jesus has spent has the 5,000. And we've already established that he did that for a purpose. Yes, he, he wanted to take care of the people there and and, and, uh, and give them something to eat, but he had, he had a bigger objective in mind. And we get that out of uh, chapter 6, verse 4, where it says that he did this because the Passover was coming. He's making a point. And here, what we're going to study today, we're going to see him start to pull that together. So he said this last week we talked about him walking on the water. He his disciples ahead. He dismissed the crowd. He goes off to pray alone. The disciples are out there all night rowing against the storm, rowing against the wind. And Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And of course they're afraid. And he says to them, I am. Do not be afraid. Gets into the boat. and Of course, they're, they're amazed. And they're immediately at the place where, where they're intended to go. And his power then over nature is established. He is who he says that he is. But the crowd now, the next day, is looking for him. And they're a little bit confused. And that's where we're going to pick up. The, the narrative here, in chapter 6, starting in verse 22, and I'm not used to these papers being the way they are because I'm never to use different papers, so forgive me if I stumble a bit here. We're going to try to read this. The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one that Jesus had and Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, and that his disciples had departed alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias, near to the place where they ate the bread, after the Lord had given thanks. And when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats, And came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me. Saw signs, but because you ate some of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do that we may accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent." As I think about this, I, I have, this scene kind of plays out in my head. It's the next day, and the crowd is gathering, they have... Uh, They've had a meal. They've they've had Jesus has performed healings. He's done all these wonderful things. And they come back the next morning uh, expecting to to get some more. But they can't find him. And I can imagine the conversation. Where did he go? Uh, He should be here. But I, I heard him tell his disciples to go on without him. Uh, well, did he leave later? Well, there was only one boat here. And I saw him get in it. I saw him take it. Oh, well, he must have got there somehow. Let's go. So here they go. And and they they head off in the same direction as the disciples went, and they find him on the other side. There in Capernaum. have figured that out from the direction of travel that they were going uh, or Jesus would have been known to be from that area uh, he had his of operations there a lot of times uh, maybe they heard his disciples say it could be but it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter they, they, they get there and they find him and this conversation begins and Jesus interestingly enough doesn't answer their question because they ask him, when did, he, when did you get here? And he doesn't answer the question, but I think there's a reason for that because even having witnessed yesterday's miracle, excuse me, even having witnessed yesterday's miracle, they probably wouldn't have believed him if he told them how he got there. i just walk across the water. But Jesus is not doing these things to be an exhibitionist. He's not... Uh, he's not trying to uh, obtain fame and glory for himself. He's obtaining fame and glory for the Heavenly Father. And you know, if he told them that, he would have been called upon to give a demo. Oh, yeah, do that again. And they still would have doubted him. They still would have said, well, I could hear somebody now say, Well, well yeah, but last night there was a storm. I know you didn't do that during the storm. This is some kind of trick. So the the signs would not have helped. And that's what Jesus, in fact, says to them. He says, you're you're not following me, you're following your stomachs. But I'm trying to give you something much greater than the food, which you're going you're to have to eat. You're going to have to get more. It's never going to be enough. <coughs> so Jesus admonishes them now. Yeah. I do apologize. These papers are not used to working like this way. You You <laughs> as and thou do not work for the food which perishes. Don't, in other words, you're not saying don't work for a living. They're clearly teaching in Scripture that, that we're, supposed to, we're supposed to do what's necessary to, to obtain our living. But he's saying that this physical, this is temporal. This is not going to last. You need to focus beyond this. Your concerns are for the flesh and not for the spirit. He says, work for the food that endures to eternal life. He's fed their bodies, but he is inviting them to let him feed the spirits. You know, when you, as we kind of said, when you feed your body, you're always going to need more. Hmm. And hey, no matter how much you feed it, one day it's still going to die. But when you feed your spirit on Him, that lives forever. Amen. He says, "Which the Son of Man will give you." Now that's that reference that we've seen several times already that He makes to Himself. That ref- that's coming out of Daniel chapter seven. It's a clear reference. <clears throat> To, uh, to the ruler, uh, the future ruler, and he, he is, is making a clear reference that he is that person. And they understand exactly what he's saying uh, because they'll challenge him in, in verse 30, which we'll get to next week. for on him the Father God has set his seal. Now, there's no clear understanding among scholars as to what, what he's saying with that. But we do know that when you put a seal on something, it, it means one of several things. It means uh, it, can, it can be a stamp of approval. In other words, this, uh, I, I approve of this. Uh, this is good. I'm putting my seal on it. And if you're putting a seal on something, it, it implies that you have the authority to do that. The other time that you see a seal is, is uh, in the case of, of, of a king. If a king is delivering a message and you want to make sure that it's authentic, he puts that seal over it. And when we still do something very similar today. You, you, you need an official document. A lot of times they want to have that that stamp on there that, that engraved stamp that says this is authentic right. and so the, the implication here Father God as Jesus has been saying all along I have the Father's approval I, what I am doing I am doing on his behalf and, I, and he, he approves of what I'm doing he's put a seal on it so then they ask him okay what do we need to do? And it, it is a direct response to what he's just said. You got a therefore there. But they have focused on the works. They're wondering, okay, there must be some new stuff that we got to do now. But as they know about keeping the law, they've been raised in, in that from the time they were little children and among them are probably those who as we read a couple of weeks ago wanted to force him to be king so there's some respect there they don't truly really understand who he is but now they're looking for okay if, if you um, if you're somebody special tell us what we need to do we're looking for. We're looking for new works. There must be some new works. And yes, there will be works coming. But those works come out of faith. Right. And so he says, "Here's the work of God. Believe on Him whom He sent. He was the plan all along. The whole of the Bible, Old and New Testament, points to Him. You want to do the work of God? Believe Him. That is the only work that matters. Amen. It's the one work, using Jesus' word here, that can save. And the crowd Again, understands him because then the next time they're asking uh, in verse thirty, they're asking, "Okay, show us another sign. If that's really who you are, show us another." They still don't truly believe. And I wanted to, I wanted to kind of move ahead quickly through this, but like I wrote yesterday when I was putting together the, the introduction, this this is too good to go. You've got to take it a little bit and, and, and savor it. So next week we'll get to that part. But the questions that we might ask out of what we read today, what are you looking for? I would say probably most of the people who are hearing me Today, uh, whether here or uh, the the, uh, the wonder of of, of the internet, we probably say that they believe in Jesus. Amen. And we would say that we would say that we follow Jesus. But the question, and the question that I often ask myself, is why? You know, these people were following him, and they. Uh, but, but they were following him for their own reasons some of them wanted a deliverer who was going to shake off the power of Rome and, and reestablish the, the kingdom of Israel some were following him as he said just because if he gave them something to eat so it's a reasonable question we're following Jesus that's good we need to follow Jesus but why do we follow Jesus and I ask myself the same kinds of questions because I've been around long enough and I've been observant enough to figure out that there's no other way to live life that really works. Right. You either live life God's way or you're headed for trouble. There's enough trouble even when you do. Amen. But I've asked myself that question, Lord, do I love you or am I just doing what's practical? Because I know everything else leads to disaster and destruction. Or are we following him because we love him? Love is for me and mine for him. And even though I still don't understand it, that's what I want are we following him out of fear? Some people have had the, the they had the hell scared out of them and they want to make sure that they don't go there. Right. And so they go through the motions and they they go to church and they do what they think they need to do. Others may be following him out of a out of, out of need. and They've been taught that he supplies all of our needs and, and so he does. Not necessarily all of our wants, but all of our needs. And so we seek the blessing. But are we seeking the blesser? Amen. He offers us much more than what we can imagine. Seek his face and he will offer his hand. so then the next question that we ask is, what are we working for? Working for a living is a good thing. Uh, and, and we've already established that's not what he's saying. Paul is uh, admonishing the church at Thessalonica. He says, we've well, already said if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And there's The warnings, multiple warnings to the the lazy that you find in Proverbs uh, 6, 6 6-11, 13, 4, uh, 24. And then there's another one in Proverbs that contrasts laziness with righteousness. The implication being that a lazy person is not righteous, it's not right with God. Chapter... 21, 25 and 26 says the desire of the sluggard puts him to death for his hands refuse to work all day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back heaven rewards are far greater And so what we want to do, we want to do do those things because that's part of righteousness too, but we want to aim higher. We want to aim higher than the temporal. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. He said, don't worry. Don't worry about about your needs. I got that. You see, first, the kingdom of God. He knows what you need even before you ask Him. And in fact, He knows what you need better than you do. But what does this mean? And this is going to mean different things to different people according to the calling that you have on your life. I imagined mine to be full-time ministry. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I hope someday that I'm able to do that. But for this moment, it involves being a computer programmer still. And that's okay, because God showed me that's what I want you to do right now. This is part part of, of your righteousness. This is part of doing what I've called you to do. If that changes, I'll I'll be be ready for it. I'll be happy. But for right now, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. You know, that's a good feeling. That's a a feeling that we all ought to have. If we don't have it, we need to be seeking the Lord until we get it. True. So then he says the work of God. The work of God is to believe on him whom he has sent. Amen. Our works are important. They should be a sign of our faith. James says what? Show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Our good works are there to glorify the Father who is in heaven, like it says in Matthew 5.16. They've been created, they've been prepared beforehand for us to do. Ephesians uh, 2.10 reads that. But they don't save us because the same passage there, we, all, we, we know verses two, eight, and nine, or Ephesians 2 8 and 9 better. Because it says, For grace are you, are you, By grace are you saved, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's only one work that can save you believe in And even that, Jesus says, requires the Father's drawing us. And he does that through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is only, again, by the final, by the work that Jesus did on the cross that makes it possible. And so my question today, since we have a worldwide audience potentially. And I always say that because I don't want to insult anybody, but I also know that only you and God know your own heart. And so the question stands, is the Father drawing you today? If he is, don't wait. It doesn't take any any sort of of, uh, special... You don't have to say special words. You don't have to do anything other than... Like Romans 10, 9, 6, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord. confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. So thank you, Lord. Thank you once again for all that you have given us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for showing us your love. And thank you for... Uh, for dying on that cross for us. And thank you that you rose again like we're going to celebrate in a few weeks. Thank you for your love. Lord, show us all how to share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.